You're listening to the Sasquatch Trail Runners Podcast, where every run is a trail party. I'm your host, Ken Levinsky, and today's episode is a recording from our Facebook Live interview series on Wednesday, October 21st, 2021. We sat down with ultra runner Trisha Ignatowski to hear all about her FKT of the 360-mile-long Erie Canalway Trail, from Buffalo, New York to Albany, New York. So sit back and relax, or go out and hit the trails, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Sasquatch Trail Runners Run Venture Facebook Live series. My name is Kim Levinsky. I'm the owner and race director for Sasquatch Trail Runners in New Jersey. And tonight I will be interviewing ultra runner Trisha Ignatowski to hear all about her 360 uh, mile long FKT, which is the fastest known time of the Erie Canalway Trail. So before we jump into the interview, I'm going to share some updates on what is going on in Sasquatch land. So Next up on our Squatchy calendar is actually tomorrow evening. You're, you're tuning into a special week. We've got not one, but two Run Venture interviews that are happening tomorrow night. We're going to sit down with Matt Klein for another interview. He just finished the Triple Crown of 200s. So it's going to be a fun, special interview tomorrow because I'm going to be sitting down with him live in person with another, um, a couple other members of his crew. So that starts tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern, and that will be on Facebook Live as well. Um, and then this coming Saturday, we have our annual Run, Hike, Eat event at Hacklebarney State Park in Chester, New Jersey. We're going to meet there on the 23rd. That's the Saturday at 9 a.m. So this is a group meetup. You come and you go out on your own or you can hang with other folks that are at the event and you can run, hike as much or as little as you want at the park. And then a mile down the road is the Hacklebarney Cider Mill. So we're going to head there afterwards to enjoy some apple cider donuts. So this event is free. It's definitely family friendly. And if you're a new trail runner, we invite you to come. This is a great opportunity to try trail running or to try hiking for the first time. And if you're a veteran, this is a great time. Invite a friend who's never gone trail running or hiking before. And as always, all of our events, pace does not matter. So don't let that hold you back from getting involved at Sasquatch. Um, next week on Wednesday evening, we are going to have another night run. That's a group event. That's at seven o'clock at the Wachung Reservation in Mountainside, New Jersey. We're going to meet at the Loop Playground. So you plug that into your GPS. Make sure you're not going to trail side. You want to go to the Loop. And we're going to do a five mile uh, trail loop. Everyone can stay together if you like to. If you want to just go and meet up with the group to start and then go out on your own, you're welcome to do that. And again, this is a great opportunity to try night trail running for the first time. I think every time we've done a night run since the summer, we've always had a handful of people who have, first of all, never tried trail running. And then that's their first time trail running is at night. And then we always, we always have a bunch who have never gone night running. So it's a really good opportunity to try that out. Um, our next race is on Saturday, October 30th at the South Mountain Reservation, West Orange, New Jersey. It is the last Squatch Standing. So this is like the Backyard Ultra, but a twist on it. So you have to complete the one mile loop in the allotted time or you get eliminated from the race. Time comes off of the clock every lap. So it's a test of your endurance and your speed at the same time. So we've got that on ultrasitem.com. And when I looked about an hour ago, there were five spots left. So if you want to snag one of those spots, I'd uh, encourage you to do that ASAP. Um, Sunday, November 21st at 9 a.m., we are doing a run venture field trip out at Mount Tammany at the Delaware Water Gap. So this is similar to Hackle Barney where you're going to come and we're going to meet up and then you're going to go out either on your own or other people at the event. And you can we have different loops that you can choose from. 
all the way from a 5k up to 19 miles. So this is really fun. If you, if you want to dip your feet in the trail running, hiking world, try something a little bit more challenging. This is a really great opportunity to do that. So Mount Tammany, if you don't know, it just goes straight up over a thousand feet um, and a little over a mile. So very, very fun. You can check that out. Um, and then November 27th, we are at the South Mountain Reservation again for our annual Squatchy Leftovers Trail Race. So that's 5K up to 50K. And we'll finish out the year at Weiwei on the State Park on December 18th for our annual Squatchy Yonda Full Moon Ugly Sweater Night Race. So you can do four or eight miles and it's actually a full moon that night. So that's on December 18th at Weiwei Yonda State Park. And then I'll just tell you this, uh, we put a poll out in our Sasquad Facebook group about the eggnog slog, all-star classic, and the responses were overwhelmingly positive. So it looks like we're going to be doing that. Um, stay tuned for details on that. We'll get that info out as soon as we can find a location for that event. Um, it's going to be just disgusting. So um, I'll have fun spectating that. <laughs> uh, but that about wraps it up for our updates right now. You can uh, see all of our events for 2021 and 22 on our uh, race calendar, which is on our website, sasquadtrailrunning.com. So, okay. The reason you're all here, Trisha Ignatowski. So I'm going to give a little intro uh, background on Trisha, fill you in on her story. And then I won't do too many details though, because we're going to really dive into deep on this interview. So I first met Trisha I thought it was 2018, but I think it was 2019. Uh, she came to a Sasquad race along with a few other members of her club. And she famously won our bloodiest runner award. Um, and I think she has since defended that title pretty well still to this day. Um, but before moving out to Boulder, Colorado this last year, Trisha helped lead the trail women Brooklyn uh, group alongside Elise Mordos and Olivia O'Neill. And if you'll remember back to... I guess it's about a year ago, we interviewed all three of them on this series. So you can find that episode on our podcast. Just search for uh, Trail Room in Brooklyn and you can check out that interview. So um, I will rub it in because I do this every time I talk about Trisha, but it was like a stab to the heart when all when she moved out there to Colorado because it wasn't just Trisha. It was Trisha, Elise and Olivia moved. They left the city, they left the Beast Coast and they all went to Colorado uh, which was a real loss, I think, for our trail running community. But, you know, I'm happy for them. They're enjoying life out there. I actually got to see them when I went out to Colorado a few weeks ago. And I understand why they move there and why they love it. <laughs> um, so anyway, Trisha is an extremely accomplished ultra marathoner on the race scene. But um, I think perhaps even more so in the run venture space. And we're really going to see that tonight with her FKT. Um, and that's really, you know, I love that so much about Trisha. She's always out on the trail doing really fun adventures that are, it's purely for self-enjoyment and just to grow and build the trail running community. Um, and not to mention Trisha's uh, iron stomach is pretty dang impressive. So I think we're going to talk about that tonight and all things ice cream as we get into this interview. <laughs> so um, Trisha, thank you so much for coming on to our interview. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for pushing this back so I can drive home quickly from uh, work because yay, time change. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. I know. We got the uh, the Colorado time going on here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for having me. <laughs> love it. I love it. And I'm so excited to talk about your FKT. Um, uh -huh. 
let's get let's let's take a few steps back though first and we'll start out just with your your whole running story so you can go into as much detail as you'd like to but um love to hear how you got into running and trail running and then we can go from there yeah so running in general i started at about eighth grade with just normal high school cross country um my older siblings were in it and i transitioned from soccer to that so i did um varsity cross country and that in school and then I also ran in college at Ithaca did all four years uh, indoor and outdoor and then um, people that know Ithaca it has a lot of trails it's beautiful um, I ended up doing my grad year also at Ithaca for my degree and that year was the year I was able to really drive around and explore all the trails because when we were running in college Sometimes our coaches would allow us to run on the trails, but then someone would always end up spraining their ankle and they were like, no, no more trails for you guys. I have a, I have a wine delivery. Oh, special delivery. <laughs> special delivery. Thank you, Ed. Um, so a couple years in a row, they were like, let's try this one trail. And then it was like, absolutely not. So after that, um, I was able to run more on the trails and got to explore the area and really fell in love with trail running. Um, and then I ended up moving to New York City and wanted to run the New York City Marathon, but then saw how much it cost. And then, no, <laughs> right after college, like, absolutely not. So I saw that there was the 60K in Central Park that was like, I don't know, 40 or $50. And I was like, this is it. <laughs> so I did like, I don't know, the nine loops around Central Park, like the 72nd Street to one a second. Did that. Never doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> I learned a lot of lessons. Um, I was, I only ate gels during that race and I got to see everyone's bags and I was like, oh, that person has gummies. That person has M&Ms. I have goose. Um, <laughs> I have not been able to eat gels since that race. Um, it's kind of like when you have too much of an alcohol, you can't drink it again. That's me and mm. goose. Never again since that race. So and you've then, never, you haven't had a goose since that day. I've tried and then I usually like kind of gag and then spit it out. <laughs> My body fully rejects it. Yeah. <laughs> I've even tried other ones. I've tried like the spring energy ones. I've tried like the more tin. I think it's just the texture. My mm. body is like, this is terrible. We're not yeah. done this. Right. Um, so fortunately I am able to eat foods while I run now um, or else I don't know what I would do. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Awesome. Okay. So you jumped into the ultra scene. Mm -hmm. um, how was that experience? Like, did you le leave it saying like, I want to do more of this or was it, how'd you feel after you finished that? I was absolutely destroyed. Um, <laughs> I don't think I'll ever run a 60k this fast again. I think my like overall, this was like, I had college speed. So I think my pace was like 745 or something like that for the whole wow. thing. I tried to get up to go to get a cab after and my body completely shut down. And then I had to like cowboy waddle to the cab to the point <laughs> where it was so bad that the cab driver asked me if I needed help <laughs> and I was like no Stop. I'm not really <laughs> I was like and my That's boyfriend and my friends were amazing. like no she just ran a race she's she'll be fine um 
but and then I went to go get ramen and I think I like blacked out ramen because my friends were like hey you weren't really there and I was like I definitely was there but like mentally I was completely gone um but once <laughs> I recovered I was like oh let's do that again and I think I did my friend Tim Decker was really the one that convinced me to like he sent me races to do and we did some run ventures together in between that and then when I attempted my um first 50 mile or like a little yet less than a year later. Okay. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And so after that, I'm trying to gauge your, your, your dive into the ultra scene. Cause for some, it's like you do, you know, the running journey is like the 5k, the 10k, the marathon, the 50k. So what, what was the progression, um, for your ultra journey? So it was, 5Ks all the way from like middle school to college. I can still remember the first time I tried running four miles. My neighbor at the time was out mowing his lawn and he told me that I was running slower than his grandma could walk, which is what What? it It was so hard. And sometimes it's still really hard to run four miles, Um, but I can still remember that that first loop around my block very vividly because of that moment, which is so funny. Um, I doubt he remembers <laughs> that uh, moment, um, but yeah, stuck in my brain forever. Um, and then I dabbled in like the 10K in college, which on a track, terrible. Um, mm-hmm. Just counting laps forever. Um, and then With that, we had some longer runs that were like nine miles or 10 miles for our long runs on weekends. And then a bunch of us signed up for our first half marathon in Ithaca, um, the Skunk Cabbage, one of the many around there. And then we all did that. And then I pretty much went from max running 13 to 15 miles to running a 60K. (laughs) Amazing. Which is kind of how my running story has gone because then the most I ran was 50 miles and then I signed up for the 48 hour race and then I ran 144 miles so I just like to triple did you really (laughs) I just like to see how what happens to my body I guess (laughs) perfect what could go wrong (laughs) what could go wrong um I did do like a few training runs and a few training races in between this the 60k and 144 mile that like I had longer weekends obviously like I was trained for it I wasn't just running nothing to everything but um beyond the 60k it was like from that to that (laughs) amazing I have so many questions of like rabbit holes we could go down but I'm going to keep the focus to the FKT because there's a lot that, you know, I think we can cover with the, um, the Erie Canal. So let's redirect. I'll redirect my focus here. So the FKT, let's start at the beginning. Why and how did this amazing project happen? Cause this is, this is a really big deal. Like you were the first woman to do it. I think only the third person to do the whole, the whole trail. Um, okay. All right. Yeah. Everyone I've talked to has been like, oh, my friend like paddles the canal or like kind of runs it like every three years. Um, But 
first recorded woman, third recorded official person um, to do it. And what started it was right about between when I did the 60K, my first 50 miler, we were sitting at our friend's bar and my friend Tim Decker brought up, I think that's when the Empire Trail was starting to be connected to the Erie Canal or something like that. So this was Mm -hmm. four years ago. And for those who don't know, Empire Trail goes from New York City all the way to Buffalo. It's that plus the Erie Canal. Um, Mm -hmm. And he was like, no one's run it. And and then my boyfriend, Ed, turned to me and said, you, we all grew up near that. You should run it. And then I was like, okay. So then every year since then, I've kind of been toying with, do I do it this year? No, I want another Mm -hmm. like 100 miler or like 100 adventure distance under my belt um so it was pretty much three to four years in the making wow. um, and then I was touring with doing it last year but then um, midstay massive ended up happening so then I went for that and then this year I didn't really have anything I was really had planned so I was like okay this is the year I have the fitness I've done enough stuff. I know like my, when my highs and lows comes and like kind of how to handle it. Um, Cause I can't imagine if I attempted to do this four years ago, there's no way just because there's, right. there's such a learning curve with ultras and learning to know yourself and like how to feed yourself when things mm-hmm. go wrong, how to problem solve and not panic about some things. So I feel like by day two, if I try to do it, that year when I first came up with it, it would have been like done though, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. All right. So, uh, so many questions. All right. Let's talk about the planning. So (laughs) there's obviously a ton of logistics that go into, I mean, any race, you know, a hundred mile race for sure, but it takes on a whole different level when you're, you know, this is um, supported, like you had people come out, but you're still doing a lot of the planning. So what did that whole process look like? And we definitely got to talk about Ed, your, your main man, and all the, uh, the the crew extraordinaire. I know. I don't know. Is he on stage left over there? No, he's in stage kitchen. I think he's feeding Scott right now, my dog. Uh, okay. <laughs> I can call him in here if we have extra questions. Um, <laughs> planning kind of started as soon as I decided I was going to do it. So honestly... I started planning before I even moved to Boulder. So I started planning in December of last year. December of last year is when I made all the GPX files of each day, breaking it down, planning how much I would do each day, um, kind of getting a sense of what cities or uh, counties, towns I would end up staying in. And that process I stayed in for a while that's when I kind of picked the month originally I had planned end of August but since I moved and my job changed I was like great I can push this back two more weeks and hopefully it's not 90 degrees with 110 percent humidity um which it wasn't I got super lucky Uh, it was like Mm -hmm. high 70s maybe low 80s which was totally fine coming from Colorado heat where it's like close to hundred during the day. I was like, okay, we got this. Um, and then that's kind of when I made my website as well to start putting everything down for organization. Um, just because mm-hmm. I knew I needed to put it somewhere or else I would lose track of where my files were. 
Um, and then probably until June is when I started breaking things down even further. Um, my company I got coached through was super nice and lent me their summer interns and they kind of made a step-by-step, um, file of every like nine miles of where Ed could go and stop and find parking. And then Ed took that. And from there, broke it down even further, every like five or six miles. Cause he knew I would eventually probably be needing aid a little bit sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that went from there. And then I spent a lot of time finding Airbnbs and connecting with friends, seeing who I could stay with. And then the final bit that came down like the last three weeks was my shopping list of everything I needed, all the food and that component um, came the last few weeks, which was stressful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought up food because that's a great segue. Um, can you talk about your, um, what did that, what did those shopping trips look like? Like, what were you putting in the shopping carts and like, did you have a list of stuff like with specific amounts? Um, is this something you worked on with your coach? Uh, talk to us about the nutrition side of it. Yeah. So my nutrition has definitely evolved over the years. No more goose. Um, I eat mostly whole foods now. So what that looks like is just eating what sounds good and what I know I can digest. I've done plenty of like practice runs where I have like chicken nuggets with me or I go to McDonald's and I have like a burger. I've done Korean fried chicken on runs. I've done pizza on runs. I'm very fortunate that my stomach has kind of been able to take that. I think it's of attrition because I'm definitely remembering the beginning. My stomach was like, okay, <laughs> that's enough, but I can <laughs> pretty much eat anything. Um, I knew we were going, the fortunate part of the Erie Canal is it was designed to get goods from city to city across New York state. So that means there's so many towns that go along it. So I was very easily able to also get extra food if I needed. Um, I don't know if anyone's ever been to a Stewart's. Delicious ice cream, delicious milkshake. <laughs> so many across New York State. If you haven't gone to a Stewart's, go to a Stewart's. Yeah, they're everywhere. everywhere. They're everywhere. Bless. <laughs> well, everywhere, everywhere in New, everywhere in the tri-state, like New York area, not not yeah. across the country. <laughs> not, no, if you go elsewhere, go to Wawa. Wawa's awesome. Wawa. <laughs> I did not have a chance to go to a Wawa this trip. Very upset about that. Um, (laughs) But I've been able to eat a bunch. So I packed, we went to Costco. Um, Love Costco. Can speak so much about that place. Uh, Get their hot dogs if we ever go there. Have a little snack on your shopping trip. Um, But we had a lot of ramen, a lot of, we ended up, I use, I call the Courtney DeWalter method where we blend mashed potatoes and then I have the reusable mm. baby food pouches and we kind of pipetted the blended mashed potatoes into that. Uh, usually we blend it with gravy or something else that gives it more of a fat content. So it's higher in calories than just potatoes and water. Mm. Obviously, if you are vegetarian, you can't really do that. But um, we've had, we had bacon, we had quesadillas, we had donuts, we had um, seaweed snacks, candy. It was a lot. We had, oh, applesauce packets. I had a lot of that, some baby food. Oh my gosh, we had so much. And then from town to town, we had burgers and fries. 
I would have pizza the first day. If you're from Buffalo, I had a beef on whack and buffalo wings for lunch. That was fantastic. If you know what, what a beef on whack is. What is that? <laughs> it's a roast beef sandwich. What, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's roast beef on a Kimmelick roll, which is a salted roll with some, um, how am I blanking on it? Like rosemary on it. Uh, flakes of salt and then au jus sauce that you dip it in and then I had buffalo wings and then some french fries and that was my lunch (laughs) it was fantastic um there's a few pictures of me like sitting on the side just eating some of that and then um definitely had I found out um if you ever are low in calories a Tim Hortons breakfast sandwich is like 500 calories just 600 calories Yeah, so I had That's that amazing. for breakfast. Started the day off good. Um, had that for lunch. And then dinner would always be whatever we could find. So the first day was like KFC because we were in the middle of nowhere. So I had KFC for dinner. Um, I also had pierogies, a lot of hamburgers, so many things. <laughs> That's and then amazing. ice cream. Right. Definitely ice cream. <laughs> Yes. Um, we've got two questions uh, regarding the food. So um, the first one is you mentioned a couple of items that were cooked like quesadillas and pierogies. Did mm-hmm. Ed have like one of those Coleman camp stoves with him? Yeah. So we had our jet boil for ramen, but then we ended up borrowing my parents like 1960s Coleman camper stove that had like two burners and you had to like pump the air to get the gas to flow through to light it so Ed had to figure out how to use that and deal with that to cook things on um a few points uh when we were going in and out of airbnbs at one point he left the jet boil so he had to boil water for my ramen in a saucepan um (laughs) and he was like I forgot the jet boil the airbnb I boiled this in a saucepan and I was like that's that's fine as long as (laughs) Um, but so we had like a total of three burners to cook everything on, which was fantastic. Um, more than I could have asked for. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Um, we've got a question in the chat. This is from Mary Peplin. She wants to know, Trisha, where did Ed store all the food along the week? Did you use coolers in your car? Yeah, we had two coolers. Um, one for that was we had like a very good one that could hold things frozen for a while. Then we had one that we just had things in and out of that we can open and close. So we didn't really worry about them melting too much. And then if we were really worried about anything, we would store it during the day wherever we were staying for that night. Got it. Okay. All right. So we've talked about food. How about the hydration side? What did you do for hydration? What was your, your strategy for that? my strategy was just to keep drinking water my goal usually I set goals if I knew I wasn't going to see Ed for like two hours I would be like everything needs to be gone um that's usually what I do when I do longer stuff I set mini tasks for myself so it's like okay I just saw Ed I have xyz in my pack I need to eat xyz and drink this water before I see him or else I have failed so that's kind of how I keep it mini like not big scale, very mini for me. And it kind of gives you things to focus on during the run. So that can take your mind off of like anything else that's going on. You just feel like, okay, I'm walking now. I'm eating. Check. What's next? Um, just keeping yourself in check that way. And then 
for liquids wise, I was having um, coffee, lots of coffee. Um, my coach brought this up. It's a fantastic thing. Uh, the Starbucks mocha, like prepackaged, like coffee drinks. Those are also like 250 calories. You can chug that quickly. Lots of sugar, lots of, cause I don't do caffeine pills. So that worked really well. Um, lots of tailwind. I would also have a lot of tailwind recovery shakes during the run just to get also those extra calories in. And then the usual suspects of like uh, Coca-Cola during it. Yeah. Right. Amazing. And then beer. Every night ended with the beer, which was like perfect. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, okay. So nutrition, hydration, check, check. Um, how about like, did you go into this with a goal of, I want to finish in X amount of days time, or was it like, I want to see what happens. What did that look like? And what was that planning process of like, if you had a goal, then how did you map out, you know, what you wanted to do out there? Mm -hmm. Um, I planned for seven days just because with flights and stuff, I only could take so much time off of work for this. So it was kind of like, we have seven days. I have like a buffer day and then I fly out the next day. So it was really seven to eight days max. And that's all I really had time for. Okay. Um, that I allowed myself. So by planning and also just force of vacation timing. <laughs> right. <laughs> Got it. Awesome. So it came out to about, it was like 50 miles a day or so. Is that right? Every day except one was like 53-ish miles, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. 53 so to <laughs> uh, Walk us through like the daily, we'll call it a schedule. Like what time did you start? What did it look like? How long were you out there for? And, and what did you do each night? The first day we started later than intended. Um, Turns out nothing is open in Buffalo before like 7 a.m. And I, we were desperately trying to find the bathroom because we all just chugged coffee in the car. Yeah. So we walked around for a while until we found like one Tim Hortons that was open. And then they just opened too. So, you know, when they just opened, like no one's really behind the counter. And I was like, hello, can we, <laughs> can we use your bathroom? And then we started at 7 a.m. or like a little bit after. Um, and then that day I finished around eight so most days I started by 6 6 30 maybe 6 45 and finished by 8 8 30 p.m and then the mornings usually would require me getting up at 4 40 or 5 depending on how far we had to drive to get to the start end where we ended that day and then usually in bed by like 10 30 based on again how far we would have to drive to get to wherever we were staying that night shower kind of get things ready for tomorrow so I had about like five and a half to six hours of sleep every night which is really good like yeah. that's a lot of sleep for these things so I was very happy with that <laughs> that's awesome and then so each night did you have kind of a routine like did you do any kind of like recovery stuff or I know you said you had your beer so that that was on the mm -hmm. list like you had dinner and beer what else went yeah. on um I would have dinner in the Aerolax boots um I would foam roll a little bit maybe do some other stretching and kind of just go to bed from there oh, I would also like put a bunch of like 
like CBD cream, like all over my body to help me relax and fall asleep. Cause anyone that's run even anything knows that yeah. the soreness after is usually what can keep you up during the night. Um, so I was like, let's go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of my prep every night was like getting all like the muscle relief cream on me and then going straight to bed. One of the nights that, that I was feeling super sore, I ended up sleeping in the air relax boots and kind of getting up at the end of each cycle and just repressing the button. Mm. And then I would fall back asleep. That was really nice. Nice. <laughs> I enjoyed that evening. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, mm. How would you say, like, how'd your body hold up? Was it like, did you feel like you had it? Because I know some people who do like these multi-day things, it takes a day or two to get into a rhythm. What was, mm-hmm. what was that whole experience like for you? Did, and how did your body hold up over the seven days? Surprisingly well. Every day I was kind of shocked at how well it was going. Honestly, the second day was the hardest soreness-wise. I woke up and like everything was tight. I was like, oh no, my IT band is starting to feel tight. Like everything is kind of just generally the day after doing a long effort. And I spent most of the day stretching during the run. I would like stop every three or four miles, stretch IT band, do some mobility exercises and then keep running. And that really fixed it. Um, I had no issues the rest of the way, except for my ankle. Um, which was not really running related. <laughs> and yeah, the second day I was the most sore, which was wild. Wow. My body was like, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Just did 55 yesterday. What do you mean? We're doing this again. And then by day three to four, everything kind of felt the same every day. The running never got harder. My pace just kind of slowly slowed. I slowed about like a minute and a half to two minutes over the whole period, which is not that bad um, considering the mileage. So I was very excited every day to like wake up and I was like, oh my gosh, I can still run. And I was running most of the day. I would run 20 minutes on and I would take a five minute quick walking break. Mm -hmm. So that's majority of running for the whole day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just realized we didn't really chat about uh, I know you described the Erie Canal, but in terms of the terrain, like, can you fill people in? Cause I'm familiar with it, but maybe some people don't know what the Erie Canal is like. So what, what is the Erie Canal like over the course of the 360 some miles? Yeah. So the Erie Canal is a canal path that runs along the Erie Canal. Um, it kind of go, when it goes into towns is when you hit the paved sections And then when you go in between the towns is when it's dirt, grass, or sometimes crushed gravel. Um, So that was essentially the train the whole time was a lot of dirt road. Kind of some of it was more like Jeep trail. And then as you got into major towns, it was paved. Or um, like through Syracuse and Utica, it was just signs along the roads in town that you would follow. Um, But it was pretty cool to go like into towns and leave town and go into the middle of nowhere again and then come back to a major town along the way. Um, Lots of houseboats, lots of locks. It's really pretty. Um, Definitely recommend to people to even explore just sections near them if it's close to them. Um, I wish I was able to stop and eat at some of the towns, uh, but unfortunately my time I allotted for myself during the day 
didn't quite allow for a long lunch somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) And how much elevation gain was there over the course of the 360 miles? I don't actually know. I feel like some days my watch lied to me. But I feel like it's definitely like, I don't know, maybe 5,000 or something like that. It's not that much. The whole point is that it stays flat so boats can be on it. (laughs) Right, right. You know, I bet we could look, I bet the, um, the FKT probably has it listed on the, um, on the site. Probably. We'll have to look afterwards. Um, Mm -hmm. okay. So we talked about nutrition and the planning. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about gear. What did you have with you? Like, um, did you go running pack handheld? Um, what other gear running gear did you have with you for the trip? Yeah, I had, um, a couple of vests with me. I really only wore my uh, Nathan like 12 liter vest. I just like things with pockets, easy to get things in and out. I don't really like stopping to take off my pack to like take things out of the stuff sack in the back. So I just wore one vest the whole time. Um, I had a couple different shoes with me, but I wore, I planned on just in case I needed two outfits per day. Cause the thing about New York weather, especially like upstate New York, is if it starts raining, it doesn't stop usually for a long time. And there was at that point a potential, like a 40% chance of rain each day. And I was Mm -hmm. like, okay. Um, And that's the downside of also just having moved to Boulder is that I downsize my whole running wardrobe to only what I wear. I only have like 10 shorts. I only have 10 shirts I wear. (laughs) So I was like, well, if I need anything else, we'll just have to find like REI or something along the way. I don't know what else to do. I was like, this is what I have. Um, but I ended up wearing only one outfit each day, which kind of made it easy to look back on photos. I was like, this day I wear a yellow yeah. sock, a red shirt, and then black shorts. Let's find all those photos. Um, the only day I ended up changing was the one day where it did rain all day. And by the time I got to mile 35, my feet were screaming for me to get some new socks so I changed socks that day but other than that I wore the same thing the whole day I think I'm just too lazy like I'm sure I could have changed my sweaty shirt but the idea of having to like get out clothes change the shirt was too much mm-hmm. um, speaking of your feet how did your feet hold up did you have to deal with any type of blisters along the way or were you pretty much okay the only blisters I got were on the first day. I got two and that was it. Okay. <laughs> Which was shocking. All my toenails are on. I got two blisters and then everything else was fine. And by the end, those blisters were calloused already. Okay. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what if you had to say was the best food item that you had over the course of the seven days out there? Best food item. I mean, nothing beats having like ice cream at 2 p.m. in the middle of your run. Mm-hmm. Um, that was definitely amazing. I mean, after a while, everything tastes amazing. So I can say like half of those hamburgers I ate probably now would be like, that's eh, okay. But those were right. d- best burgers I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> um for after a while I mean definitely having buffalo wings was good but overall being able to kind of eat my way through the towns every day and kind of have something different was really great to Mm -hmm. have 
I think I, I forget. I think it was like the fifth night or sixth night. Ed found this random Irish pub and I got like pot roast or something with like mashed potatoes and corn for dinner. It's fantastic. Amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Trisha, I would love to hear, and you can totally pick like just maybe one or two stories from the run venture. Like you think back and you're like, this was such an amazing moment from mm-hmm. the trip. And then, and we could also do like, this was the worst moment from the trip as well. So we'll get, we'll do the high and the low here and, and you can, you can pick a couple if you can't narrow it down, but yeah, would love to, would love to hear what comes to your mind. Um, an amazing a few moments where this route is also very popular for cycle packing. So people also bike this all the time from Buffalo to Albany. There's a organized group ride in the middle of July um, that does it. But I ended up starting the same day as three different couples, um, retired couples who were doing this as like a fun, leisurely seven day trip. And I ended up becoming friends with them and they would stop kind of where I was stopping each day. We had the same mileage plan. So obviously I would start way earlier than them, but I would usually see them by like 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. And we would stop, chat. I would see how their bike ride went for the day before. They would say how I went the day before. And we kind of would just catch up and see how everyone's day went, if they had any stories, what they saw. And then I would be like, oh, where are you stopping? And then I would see them again the next day. And that was every single day. I would see all of them and they got to know Ed. And every day they would stop and see how he was doing and how yeah. his was doing. So that was really fun um, to get to know them along the way and have like expect them every day to come up and be like, Trish, how's it going? And I was like, oh my gosh, how's it going? Um, that was super fun. That's so cool. Did you, do yeah. you keep in touch with them by any chance afterwards or was it kind of just like. I have social media. So <laughs> they're yeah. like, we'll look you up. And I was like, I don't know how. Um <laughs> But that was definitely great. Um, let's see, my friend Adam Blumenthal from New York City came out the last, time is weird. Uh, I think it was three days. <laughs> and he, this is like his first time ever seeing a multi-day event plus someone at the end of their multi-day event. So it was really great having someone to be with me all day and yeah. kind of experience the adventures with me um, and have someone to talk to and kind of, just have a presence because there was a few days where I had no one except Ed so it was just us checking in at each aid station and it was great still in high spirits but sometimes you're like oh wow like I'm by myself still like I've been alone for hours (laughs) but um a lot of it was just making sure I kept on making fun things for myself to do and enjoying the adventure Mm um a really funny story that I found hilarious at the time was it was early morning and I had my headlamp on and there's turkey vultures where I was running through and I startled one of them and it flew it was sitting in the tree and it flew out of the tree hit a branch and then like absolutely smacked the ground and then kind of like looked around like no one saw me and then <laughs> go away again it was really funny but I, I scared the crap out of it it was <laughs> gave me a good laugh in the morning <laughs> oh the poor guy was probably just embarrassed <laughs> yeah 
yeah um and then there was a lot of really pretty moments like going through towns there was a lot of uh, more lakes and small lakes than i expected that would run by and those are really pretty um it was turning fall saw the foliage um and then at one point on day three in the morning there was like a looked like a local uh running group maybe for like moms or something they all were just moms somehow and they ran with me for a little bit they were like oh what are you doing out so early and I was like oh I'm running the Erie Canal and they're like wow so I got to (laughs) run with like a group of like six six moms for like Mm. two miles and then they dusted me (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome did they did they understand like grasp that you were doing the entire thing yeah, so usually how that conversation went, whether it was me telling somebody or Ed telling them would be like, oh, wow, wait, from Buffalo? The whole thing? Yeah. This week or this this week? How many miles a day? No, no, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and then they'd be like, wow, yeah. Um, that's usually how that like arc of conversation went. <laughs> Those, those conversations are always fun, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter the distance. There's always, you know, it's hard to explain to people who aren't in the running world. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's shocking. Um, Um, One of my friends that ran with me, her friends just flat out said that you can't do that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I would have said the same thing like seven years ago. Right now. Right. (laughs) Baby steps. (laughs) That's awesome. All right. So we got, we got some of your highs. Were there any lows or was it all just sunshine and rainbows the entire time? Um, definitely. So the daily lows usually came around like right after 6 37 PM when the sunset, cause that's when you're like, Oh man, I've been up before sunset. Now the sun is setting. I still have like four miles to go. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other little moments of the day were kind of when you're getting started in the morning, you can't let yourself think I have 53 miles left today or else you start to like kind of get sad. You're yeah. just like, no, I have three miles or not even thinking of the miles. Like mm-hmm. I'm just going to go until I see Ed. Um, so those were definitely like the moments he had to fight during the day for me every day was not panicking in the morning when I had like 53 miles left of the day. And then the last few miles of the day when you're just kind of hungry and you want to be done, but mm-hmm. you still have to finish out um, what you plan for that day. And then the definite part of the Canelos where there's this one section going through Syracuse that's on Empire Boulevard and they just put it in. So yay for infrastructure <laughs> development. But um, they put it through it's like essentially two three lanes of traffic that you're running on like a sidewalk in between so I it was just six miles of this strip of like pavement in between like six lanes of traffic oh my goodness and that was like around mile 40 of the day and I was just like oh my gosh and that- <laughs> had to bike to me because there was no way he could stop and crew me through that and I was like this is terrible I would like to get off of this strip of nonsense as soon as possible because I knew after I finished that I would go back onto 
nice, beautiful dirt trails. And I was like, please get me through. Please get me through this. <laughs> and then um, another section was just like going around Utica. That was pretty brutal. Just um, not a lot of signage, which they were starting to put in signs more for the area. But it was just a lot of swampland. So as soon as you stopped, you were just like covered in mosquitoes. Like stopping to pee was like a risk. (laughs) I was just like, do I just hold it? I was like, no, because I don't know how much more of this swamp that I'm going to have to go through. And that was the day. It was also the highest humidity. Uh, So it was in theory beautiful because it was like lots of green but like to the side was the old Erie Canal, so the, the non-functional, and it was just like sludgy swamp breeding mosquito land. Yeah. Um, which poor Ed mosquitoes love him. And even his like face was covered in mosquito oh. bites. Like no amount of DEET was going to save you. Um, I ended up spraying DEET like directly into my hair for a few days just because of it and now I have to get like a major haircut because it's not coming back like the D ate my like a good solid like five inches of my hair are you serious yeah it's not coming back I have to cut it off (laughs) I mean it's a chemical it's gonna like you're not supposed (laughs) to even leave it on your clothing and I was like get put it all on my hair let it marinate for like 15 hours oh my gosh (laughs) so Definitely the mosquitoes, but other than that, everything else was really great. Um, a lot of the smaller towns were super cute. A lot of, they're doing a lot of updates to highlight the canal. So it was really nice to see the updates on that. Um, and then all the little houseboats going along. Those are like always my favorite to see. That's awesome. Um, so, I mean, obviously, you know, you're from the East Coast originally, but you've been out in Colorado for um, a number of months. Was it, has it been a year yet or almost no, a year? I out in end of March. Beginning okay. Of March. All right. So at least a half a year. Um, and you guys don't have humidity out there. So was that like an adjustment to come back to the land of 95% humidity in the summer? Or how was that? It wasn't terrible but I definitely felt the humidity's presence (laughs) yeah it didn't like kill my running each day I wasn't really put down by it but I was thinking wow I do not miss this humidity (laughs) yeah (laughs) um it wasn't bad honestly most days there was only the two days where we had the rainstorm before the rainstorm and during that we really felt it and then other days it kind of cleared out so Okay. I felt worse humidity. Definitely. We were at the end of that. So obviously if I did it in July, I would be singing much different songs. (laughs) Yeah, I know. We had some really nasty heat spells this summer. Oh yeah. You know, you know how, you know how that goes. Um, okay. Let's get a real good, uh, question. That's going to dig a little here. So how, did because I'm assuming it did it'd be strange if it didn't but how did this experience change you as a person um going into it I definitely was excited just to I'm always excited just to have something to focus on and have nothing 
externally able to distract you. Like you only have to focus on getting point A to point B and then feeding yourself and then making sure everything goes okay. It definitely um, brought and highlighted the fact that, you know, you can do hard things and you can keep doing hard things and that you enjoy this. Um, Definitely um, tested my patience at time, but then really helped bring it forward and show me that I do have the mental stamina and ability to do this daily. And I can maybe do some even longer distance efforts eventually or race longer distance efforts and have the ability to manage myself and everything else going on. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely made me appreciate all the trails and the infrastructure because it's so crazy that this exists and is yeah. so well maintained across a whole state you usually as a kid you see pieces and bits of trails and being able to have this journey across was amazing um definitely made me appreciate my supportive partner Mm -hmm. um you know crewing is not easy and he did an amazing job for seven days straight crewing for 18 hours because there's the before there's the after and then he's having to take care of himself um and it definitely made me appreciate like the body I have you know it's like crazy that after this nothing is really wrong as everyone asks are your knees okay my knees never (laughs) (laughs) your knees shouldn't hurt when you run um and just appreciating uh like the journey in itself, getting to meet people along the way, having those conversations, um, and getting to see each town, you know, along the way. Amazing. Amazing, yeah. Tisha. <laughs> um, I think we have time for one more. We're going to squeak one more question because you alluded to it a little bit. Um, as long as there aren't any secrets you're trying to keep, has this inspired um, some other ideas for you? Or like, what are you thinking? Like, do you have ideas for other adventures you like to do or races you got you know you're kind of eyeing up um what are you thinking I don't I don't really have anything in the immediate I'm just trying to enjoy the after I'm trying to do maybe some new sports this winter um that's kind of what this taught me is like just keep doing what you like yeah um you don't have to keep doing you don't have to do anything you don't want to do so right now I'm enjoying other things and hopefully winter's coming along but for running wise I just want to do more adventures this summer some fast packing Mm -hmm. Um, I might do the collegiate loop this summer it's a 160 mile loop that would be a huge challenge but also super fun um just getting out there and exploring more of what is developed near me and being able to kind of access that. That's because I moved somewhere new. I don't want to rush into races. I really want to have a chance to explore everything on my own first and then do some things. But um, yeah, we'll see what races they do. Maybe I'll put in for a 200 mile race in the future. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, or maybe you'll come back and set the new FKT for the Hudson Highlands traverse maybe that'd be a fun fun thing i'll, crew, I'll help crew you if you're here you go <laughs> i don't know we'll have to figure out maybe there's a trailway around the town part you didn't like that just adds on like 20 miles or something i don't know no there's got to be a better way 
there is you can i mean you can extend it to go even further north and go over the the walkway over the hudson mm-hmm. you gotta go all the way up but that i think that would still be a lot of roads because there aren't too many trails up there but we'll figure it out <laughs> you have to get those interns to work on it we'll put a call into your interns Listen, they were summer interns. I think they're well past their, uh, <laughs> their summer <laughs> duties. Uh, amazing. Trisha, this is so great. I'm so glad you shared about your uh, your FKT. Congratulations. I mean, it's huge. Thank what a, mo- a monster FKT. And um, yeah, I remember a year or two ago when we were chatting and with Elise and Olivia about how we got to get more women on the FKT site, you know, in our area. And um <laughs> You really went big on this one. Well, actually, the guy who had the FKT, he was like super helpful in the planning process. He gave me all his pointers. He sent me pictures of the tricky points. Um, His effort was also massive. He set the FKT while completing the Empire State Trail FKT, Mm. which is uh, about 500 miles New York City to Buffalo. So he also just finished um, Moab 240 as mm. well. And it's going to do Coca Dona this year. So yeah. he was super fun to talk to. Also chat during, um, he would check in be like, how's it going? Which is the whole point of FPTs is to support yeah. the other people. So that was really great. Um, it was super nice that two other people did it before me because looking at all the maps, there was theoretically four different stopping points. Oh, for- really? Yeah, because there's one where the paddle the canal ends, there's one where the cycle the canal ends, and there's two points for the hiking. Okay. And I was very unsure which one I should follow. Right. Um, so having that GPX file already, I was like, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to think about this anymore. This is done. Um, it's also ironically a ship to ship FKT because I started at a ship in Buffalo, and then you end at the USS Slater in Albany. That's so, so cool. It's really funny, yeah, how that works out. <laughs> That's so awesome. Well, Trisha, I am so happy for you. You know, I we got to spend a little time together in Colorado a few weeks ago, and you you and Ed are just you're really thriving out there, and it was fun to to listen to that, and you know, you know, work mm-hmm. life running all of it. It's it's very, very cool. You have to come back. <laughs> Oh, I'll come back for sure. I got to get back out there. I understand. I, I I understand why you guys moved. I understand why you love it. I mean, it's just, it's like the active person's dream location to live out there, you know? Yeah. I mean, maybe we'll get you on some rocks for rock climbing too. Ooh, you saw my reaction when I saw all those rock climbers. Who would do that though? <laughs> maybe. Listen, hey, I'll never say never. Mm-hmm. Well, Trisha, thank you again so much for joining us and shout out. We got to give another shout out to Ed. I mean, just amazing. I need to do, we got to schedule an interview with just crew, crew and pacers, I think, because they deserve, they deserve it. You know, it's amazing. We kind of like what they've seen. Yes. (laughs) The The witnesses. (laughs) Awesome. I survived. (laughs) Yeah, I survived. Um, well, thank you again, Trisha, and thank you to everyone watching here on Facebook Live. We will um, post the audio on our podcast in the next week. You can always catch the video replay on our Facebook page, um, but the podcast is called Slash Squad Trail Runners. You can find it anywhere 
um, podcast or streaming. And uh, you can follow us on social media as well. Facebook, we're Sasquatch Trail Running and Instagram is Sasquatch Trail Runners. And then the website is sasquatchtrailrunning.com. Okay, so until we see you again, keep it squatchy.